welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is day 152 here in the Zen Room, episode 39. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with my husband and producer, Stephen Prendergast. Hey, bitches. Unfortunately, Tommy could not join us tonight. He, or today, I should say, he is in Tech Week rehearsals for a production of American Idiot. At a local theater, so he could not join us tonight. So Stephen is serving as our co-host tonight, right? Hi, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I already said, hey, bitches. Oh, okay, is that all? You have to be prompted now to speak? It's usually never a problem with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to see it be a problem? <laughs> Keep going, bitch. I will, I will. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we want to welcome, because we have a guest here today, so we'd like to welcome Mr. Daniel Higgins, the co-executive director of East Line Theater. Did I get that title correct? Yeah, sure. Okay. We also forgot Grand Poobah Supreme. Ah, uh, yes, of course. And his, his, his president. <laughs> yes. And how are you, Daniel? I'm doing good. How are you? We're so far so good. Welcome. Glad you could join I'm us. I'm glad to be back. This is going to be fun. <laughs> yes, it is. Just but, remember to talk up this time. I will talk up. Yeah, oh, I'm sure that will not be a problem. <laughs> And we might as well start off, before we go into our usual first segment, we're going to start off with the latest headline news, and that is that the jury came back in the Johnny Depp defamation trial, and they awarded him $15 million. Oh, good. wow. Good yes. for him. Wow. I had not heard the, the verdict. Yeah, it just came in this a little while ago, oh actually. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. Okay, come on. But you got to admit that there have been bots everywhere. Like, haven't your feeds been filled with, like, Johnny Depp, like, everything. I just yes. feel like ever since Well, the happened, memes are going crazy. I, I crazy. actually have been seeing very little of it because I haven't really been following this trial at all. Right. I've had, like, no interest the in this And that's is, why like, you haven't been targeted. That's why. But I think, though, I think they're both messes. I think he needs to be, like, a month or a couple of months in rehab I, or something. I think well, they he both, was. I think oh, my God. I, I think they're both terrible people. And they both deserve each other. Well, did you see? <laughs> did you see her witness that doctor method, whatever his doctor with the so I didn't see any of that. It's like, oh my god, this guy's high, and and every time you looked at her, it looked like she was shoving something up her nose. Oh yeah, but this was like the most tawdry trial I've seen since the days of Joey Buttafuoco and uh, what's her oh, name? Oh my god, Amy. What's her name? Amy. Uh, oh, you don't know that story no. before your time. Wait, what, what is? What there was this. There was this couple named the Butterfucos, and I guess they hired this girl named Amy. I forget her for last name as their babysitter, and he started having a little hanky panky <laughs> with her. As it goes. So she concocted the scheme to go and shoot his wife, which she did. Oh, I think I knew. Yeah. Shot her in the head. And she yeah. survived. Oh, my God. Yeah. And yeah. it went on for, like, this whole tawdry. You heard everything about this relationship and this marriage. It was unbelievable. Wow. And that's what this Johnny Depp trial reminded me of. I mean, I of. haven't gotten many of the clips because it's, like, you, the whole thing is, like, you can find it on YouTube. Like, the whole day's, like, like um, uh, what do you call them? I don't know. Like a recap? Well, no, it's, like... The actual coverage of like the lawyers' question, yeah. and, like the actual like trial TV of it, and it's like unedited, nine hours long, and it's oh like, and people well, are they... watching this. It has millions of views. People are like clinging to it, like streaming it almost. Yeah, 
I was listening to a podcast about the people who like stand outside with signs like all day for Depp and they get there at like one in the morning and like sleep at nights just so they could see him drive in and then they have like a hundred tickets to get in the actual courtroom and it's like people are sleeping in their cars to like mob to get in there. It's oh like, my God. I, it's wild. I'm like, why you people Amy need- Amy Fisher. Amy Fisher, that was the name. God, yeah. I could not remember for I the life like, of me. I feel like this just proves that people need more hobbies. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? that's what I mean. It's like, I'm not, I, yeah, I went through Joey Butterfuco and Amy Fisher. That was enough. I don't yeah. need to go through Johnny yeah, Depp and take Amber Heard. Take, take up knitting. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take up knitting. So congratulations to Johnny Depp and Joey. Well, he's not going to see $15 because they're going to appeal the verdict, and then while they're appealing it, they're going to negotiate it down to a lower number. Yeah. Yeah, that that'll happen. You know what? Does she that, have $15 million? I am sure she does. Well, he, she's got everything that he she won from him mm. prior. Yeah. That she said that she was going to donate to charity and still has not. Yeah, well. And got called out on that shit. Yeah, well, that's how it used to be. And don't forget, it is also, he also lost a defamation trial over in the United in Kingdom. The but there, they have a different standard of proof But that is defamation. also not against her. That was against a publication. Yes, exactly. That, wasn't, that had nothing so to do with her. So that's different standards yeah. and yeah. Different, different laws yeah. against it. Yep. Wow. Yeah, so... 15 million. 15 million. Good right? for him. Well, it doesn't make up for what he's lost from... Everything. All the work that he's lost because of her accus- accusations. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a lot of them, Disney dropped them, right? Everyone, all the major, like, I think they they canceled, they canned Pirates of the Caribbean, I think. I don't think that's coming back. Probably not, yeah. Uh, I mean, after the fifth one, should they? Well, he's, them, he's no longer going to be part of it. I don't no. know if they're going to keep going. He, what, he was what's selling that franchise. But hey, if they, br- the if, they can br- he- if they can bring back Mel Gibson, after what he, you know, then hey, you can yeah. bring back Johnny Depp, you know? I forgot about Mel Gibson. Yeah, right? <clears throat> He's fucking still making movies. And yeah, and he's actually a freaking anti-Semite. He's, he's disgusting. He's a homophobe, anti-Semite. He's dis- he's disgusting. At Please. least Johnny Depp can act, and he's nice to work with on set. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. You know? But we will now move on and go into our first segment of the day, Heavy Petting. I was imagining. But, <laughs> but sure, I mean, hey, to each, to each their own, I say. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, we always talk about our dogs during this segment, and we know you're not a dog owner. No, I'm not. But I we'll am a let, dog. But, but we'll let you stay anyway. <laughs> Delilah's doing great. Thank you for asking. Oh, Aww. yeah, whatever. <laughs> the pussy. Think, yep, my yeah. pussy's great. We were about to go into the topic of dog days of summertime. Okay. Because I figure I'd bring it up because yesterday I had the experience. Was it yesterday or the day before? I think it was uh, yesterday. Yesterday when you took her on a walk. It was extremely hot out, and I usually generally take her out for a walk sometime between 12 and 1 o'clock. Okay. So I took her out. It was about 10 to 12, I guess. I took her a little bit out earlier, and it was already like... 89 degrees out. And we walked, I usually walk like 15 miles, 15 15 miles, 15 15 minutes, 15 minutes out from the house and then 15 minutes back. Usually covers about a good mile or so. And it was so hot out there that she actually stopped twice to lay down in a shady spot. Wow. That's how hot it was for her. But it was humid yesterday. It was, yeah. yeah. It was humid. 
Now, I mean, I, she usually walks on the grass and not on the concrete. Because it's hot. Thank yeah. Goodness. Well, it's it's hot and she likes the, the grass. Yeah. She's a diva. You know, she's a diva. <laughs> she likes soft, you know, cushions. Yeah, yeah she does. Um... But it was it was so hot. It's and she came back and she was she laid on the tile floor in the kitchen and cooled off for quite a wow. while. Yeah, yeah, wow. she did. I think it was a heat index of ninety eight yesterday. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It, it was, was pretty rough. bad. She stayed in the rest <clears throat> of the day. Although I took her off for a walk late in the evening and she was yeah. fine. Once it was evening, it was fine. Yeah, it was beautiful out of night. Once cool, the sun you know? was gone, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but after that, even just to go out back, if she had to, she's like, "No, I'll I'll hold it." <laughs> right? But I figure I'd pass along these tips for dog care in the summertime. They are provided by the American Kennel Club. American Kennel Club. Yep. And one of the first tips they say is if you let your dog out in the yard during the day, make sure they have a shady spot to hang out in. Okay, find the shade. Because I know with Abigail, like she'll go outside, she'll do her business, and then she'll come sit up on the front on the on the front step. On the back step. But yeah, on the back step. And but it's the sun is just blazing down the whole time. There's nothing shading it. So if she has to wait too long to come back in, she will go then sit in the shade waiting for us to open the door for her. Yeah. The, the bushes against the fence give yeah. her shade. Or she'll sit in the corner of the backyard in the shade. Yeah, she she will find shade. Like, on, we took her to Fire Island. Yeah. Oh, how did that go with Oh, that? it was great. She great. loved it. But waiting for the boat on the dock, there is no shade. No, she right. sat under me, under, under, under the bench seat, yeah, to keep shade. Directly under him, because the slats, you know, the She's sun gets, smart. Still gets she knows through. How to, she she knows will sit avoid. directly Not that my ass him. is that big. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know, rumors are still <laughs> safe. It casts a large shadow. <laughs> large enough for her, at least. Yeah. <laughs> But also they say that during the summertime, don't rely on a doghouse to keep a dog sh- oh. out of the shade because there's no air there's going no through it. It traps the heat in there. Oh, yeah. So, it's like a hot box. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. They also say that if you happen to have like a child waiting pool in your yard, keep it filled for the dog. And of course, keep that in a shady spot. Don't yes, keep that out in the sun. Otherwise, we could go in the hot soup. Hot soup. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. And, of course, never, ever leave your dog in a closed car for any for any amount of time. Ever. Don't leave the, anyone in a closed car for a period right? of time. Right? But leave the, you in a closed The temperature car. can reach inside a car 100 degrees in just 20 minutes. That's insane. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, never, ever leave your car, your dog in a car. And, of course, make sure your dog has plenty of access to plenty of cool, fresh water at all times. Because mm-hmm. they can dehydrate, especially when they're in a house with air conditioning. It dehydrates. De- air conditioning dehydrates humans. It dehydrates dogs as well. Mm. So you got to make sure they have water. Also, if you're going to take your dog out, do it either earlier in the morning or later in the afternoon or evening. Mm. I know that I won't be taking her out like before, you know, after 11 o'clock and before 3 o'clock. Otherwise, yeah. on hot days like yesterday, she's going to stay in here. Also, if you do have you're taking your dog out for a walk on a hot day, make sure that you're trying to avoid hot asphalt and hot roadways because they can easily burn their paws. Mm. But you can get ointment for your dogs if for, for their paws specifically, if that should happen. So also keep that cute, in mind. Cute, you can get them cute booties. You can, little, little if, they, if they'll... Wear them. <laughs> wear them. She will not wear the booties. No, she will. She's We've not a booty. She's not a booty girl. Her, she's like, don't you like, dare. Nope. Don't you dare. Don't even think about it. You, you see, know. this is this is why I'm pro cat because you don't have to worry about any of this shit with cats. <laughs> cats feed. 
sleep, bathe, and do all their own taking care of themselves. Well, see, when cats go outside, they're like on their own. They can go where they want. No offense is not going to well, keep a cat in necessarily. Well, Delilah has a boyfriend. Ooh. A tomcat who circles by once in a while, and they look at each other through the glass and stare longingly into each other's eyes. You better make sure she's got some condoms. Yeah, she doesn't go out. She doesn't go out. But she definitely would be a big old slut if we let her go out. That's for damn sure. Anyway, lastly, be mindful of your dog's breed during the hot weather, because certain breeds are what they call brachycephalic, which means they have a short head and snout, such as bulldogs, boxers, Pekingese, and they have a particularly hard time breathing in the hot weather. Ooh. Have you ever heard uh, John Mulaney stand up about his, well, I guess his ex-wife and his dog, <laughs> Petunia, where he talks about how it's a French bulldog, Okay, and its face is so short that it's like not born, it's not bred to live, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he talks about how they have to push around the dog in a cart. Oh, no. Because <laughs> it's too, like, Well, that's so why informed. you see a lot of these bulldogs in the little... Strollers, strollers. basically, yeah. <laughs> They've been also bred. They, right? They've literally become... Natural selection is taking them. Yes. You know? <laughs> these poor dogs. Meanwhile, someone someone yeah. suggested, when I talked about taking Abigail out for a walk, they said... Put her in a stroller. Her in a I was stroller. like, she ain't gonna sit in any stroller. No way, no how. That she, ain't her she style. Wants to be up and out, right? She, she, she barely sits still in. in she barely sits still in the car. I know. You know? Please, you try to put her in the back seat in in her harness. She won't sit. Nope. So we have to put her in the front seat on somebody's lap and and hook the yeah. the harness around our. Seatbelt. Because she has to have the best view, obviously. But that's not even good either, because if, God forbid, the airbags go off, she gets the brunt of it, but she won't sit any other way. You know, she'll squish up between you and put her butt on the console Mm. in the car. Yeah. And that's how she sits. Right. Anyway, I believe this concludes our segment of heavy petting. We now move on to our next segment. Happy birthday. (laughs) Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's today's birthdays. Oh! I was like, what the hell? And last month for the birthdays, we were observing Jewish American Heritage Month. Ah. And we we did uh, observances and celebrations on our Facebook and Twitter feeds. Okay. And this month, we will be observing... LGBT Pride Month. Yay! So look for our daily celebrations on our Twitter and Facebook feeds. And for today's birthdays, we actually have two birthdays. Tommy will be very disappointed that he was not here because they are both living. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy always gets the dead ones. Right, he always gets the dead ones. But these are both living. One you, you you may know. The other one I don't think you will know at all because I had never heard of them either. But let's see if you know the first one. She was born June 1st, 1981 in a rural, rural area of Washington. At the age of eight, she began singing country songs on stage. She taught herself to play piano and learned to play guitar. At 15, she began writing songs. She was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder and dropped out of high school to pursue a music career. No, it is not Melissa Etheridge, but it is a lesbian. <laughs> that I assumed that. Now it down. She signed with Columbia Records in 2004, released her first album in 2005, titled after her name, and she achieved wider fame with her 2007 album and song, The Story. 
Her music has received 18 Grammy nominations, and she has won six. She won Best Americana Album for 2018's By The Way I Forgive You, Best Country Album for 2019's While I'm Living, Best Country Song for 2019's Tanya Tucker's Bring My Flowers Now, and for 2021 song Crowded Table. In 2022, she was the first female artist to have two Grammy nominations for Song of the Year in the same year. Her song, Right on Time, and the song that she performed with Alicia Keys called A Beautiful Noise. I should know this person. She received a total of six nominations in 2022. She came out publicly as a lesbian in 2002. She's been married to Catherine Shepard since 2012, and they have two children. Shepard serves as the executive director of her charity, the Looking Out Foundation. I, I obviously should know who this is. Yes, you yeah. should. Oh, sorry. Her I, name? I, I'm very bad with names. Yes. I mean, I'm. I'm also just not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not very good with lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> Generally or in particular? Uh, I, feel like, I think the feelings are mutual. Oh, okay. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Anyway, her name is Brandy Carlisle. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> I have to admit, I do not follow the music of Brandy Carlisle. So you're just being a dick. Just, well, it is her birthday, like, and she's a lesbian, and, she's and she's LGBT alive. Pride Month, so there. Yeah. Ah, because well, now happy the, birthday, Brandy. Because now the next birthday celebrant, I know you're not going to have heard of it all, because she's Canadian. Oh, obviously. If it's not Norm <laughs> Foster, I don't know who it is. <laughs> she was born Deborah Foisy in Toronto. She learned to play guitar at age 11. At 15, she left home to attend an alternative high school in Vancouver. She made her professional debut in 1975. She recorded 15 albums between 1977 and 2013. She is openly, openly, openly lesbian and became one of the earliest and most influential lyrical songwriters of the women's circuit movement and was an important influence on later musicians like Annie DeFranco and the Indigo Girls. Her songwriting talents have been recognized and compared to the talents of Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen. Her professional stage name is Ferron. F-E-R-R-O-N. And I actually have a clip lined up of a cut that she did. I should have known this because he was playing this all last night. I want to hear it. I want you in the book. I get to thinking our love's a polished stone You give me a long, drawn look I know pretty soon you're gonna leave our home And of course I mind Especially when I'm thinking from my heart But life don't clickety-clack down the street line track It come together and it come apart You say you hope And that is a song, Ain't Life a Brook mm. But I'm going to be posting on our website as a video of her doing a spoken word performance of one of her songs called It Won't Take Long. And she has a woman's chorus behind her, and it's phenomenal to watch. She does sound like, you can. I can hear what they say about Dylan. I can hear it in her, I can hear it in her voice. Right, yeah. Also, like the way, the kind of, the way the lyrics kind of flow, it's more about the poetry. Than, yeah, and not about hitting a rhyme scheme yeah. or anything like that, you know? So yeah, I'm definitely glad I, glad, I, glad I definitely discovered this woman. Mm. So, Ferron. Yes, so to Ferron and to, whatchamacallit, Brandy Carlisle, we say... 
happy birthday to you. Don't do that. I have to pay right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. And now we move on to Today in History. I feel like you're just slowly becoming like a BBC, like, you know, <laughs> program from the 1970s. <laughs> Today on It's the Mind, we will discuss. Today in history, in 1792 and 1796, these two states were admitted as the 15th and 16th states into the Union. Okay. What states were they? Okay, so wait, let me hold on. Okay, so it was the 15th, you said? The 15th state in 1792. Okay, so And the 16th state in 1796. So it's got to be an early frontier state. So it's got to be like south-ish, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, So I'm going to shoot in the dark here and say Kentucky and Tennessee. And you would be correct. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> but let's see how much you know about these states. Oh, that's not fucking know. Do you know the state song for Kentucky <laughs> Um, I can't say anything. Because uh, he already heard it today. The, the, the state song of Kentucky? Yes. I don't know, something stupid. You don't know? Oh my god, I will have to play it for you then. It's only fair. I believe I have it lined up somewhere. Or do I? I hope it's not the original. Uh, no, I don't think I lined it up, actually. Nailed it. But anyway, it's my old Kentucky home. Wait, I knew that, actually. <laughs> Why did I know that? Sorry. Well, we were listening to it before, and I heard the reference to the word darkies on the song. And I was like, I it's wonder fucking... if the state changed it when they adopted it as the state song. Yeah, well, it is Kentucky. <laughs> they Kentucky be like it. it. They did change they did. Right? Yeah. Thank God. I think they sing that before the Derby, right? I think that's like one of the, the big Kentucky things. Yes, Derby. they do. Yep. Yes, they do. That's what they do play. Tennessee. Do you know what the Tennessee state song is? Uh, I don't know. My home is, to, is, to, is Tennessee. You know, I mean, something stupid like that. My well, blue Tennessee, my my goldy Tennessee. Yeah, actually, it might be because it's all. There are actually nine state songs. <laughs> Tennessee has nine of them. Well, isn't Nashville in Tennessee and Memphis? So I feel like they have a lot of music. You know. Well, this is one of the more recent versions that they adopted. It's called. Well, it was done at the Tice the the Tennessee Bicentennial. It's called the Tennessee oh. Bicentennial Rap. Text friendly. Oh my. In the in the Tennessee. Actually falls behind the rhythm because she can't keep up. <laughs> Can you tell it's a white lady? <laughs> yeah, right. That is, uh, wow, that's uh, yes, but that's not one of the state songs. <laughs> but it was just funny. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I just had to play. I heard that. I was like, oh my god, I have to play that. But of course, I did find the state song, which I will. Well, one of the state songs, which you will probably recognize as soon as you hear it. Name for a song. Yeah. The Tennessee Wall. I was yes. This is featured in uh, Cat on a Hunter Roof. Yes. What an old friend I happened to see. Thank you, Patty Page. 
that's that is the uh, state song. What the fuck today? <laughs> right, as sung by Patty Klein. <laughs> Good, but yeah, that's probably the most popular of the Tennessee yes. state songs. The other ones are. Not quite mixed there, variety. Really there. Some are like these ballads and almost like spirituals, and it's just okay. It's Tennessee. It's Tennessee. <laughs> anyway, do you know what the capital of Tennessee is? Is okay. No. Nashville. Nashville. I, I wasn't. Gonna, I felt it was the easy answer. I didn't want to say it. Do you know the capital of Kentucky? Uh, nope. Lynch. No. Were you about to say Lynchville? <laughs> No, I was going to say Lynchburg, but that's... Uh, that's, Tennessee. that's Tennessee. And no, it's Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Kentucky. Frankfurt. A lot of Germans in Kentucky. Frankfurt. Which of these states is known as the Bluegrass State? I'm going to say that's Kentucky. Kentucky. Yes. Do you know what Tennessee's motto is? White people first. It's the Volunteer State. Oh, I'm sure. Because, from what I read, because of the numerous volunteers, they had like 1,500 men who participated in the War of 1812. Mm. So that's how it got its name. Okay. Do you know which of these two states has the cardinal as the state bird? That would be Kentucky, isn't it? That would be correct. The mockingbird is the state bird of Tennessee. And lastly, which state has the motto of... Commerce and agriculture. Tennessee? Yes, Tennessee. What a shitty motto. <laughs> Commerce and agriculture. <laughs> At least Kentucky's like, united we stand, divided we fall. It's like, okay, I can live with that. It's a little... Patriotic. Yeah, or bombastic. <laughs> no better than the New York. But Excelsior. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? I know. Excelsior. Excelsior. At least it's not YOLO. <laughs> It should, oh, it, should it should be. Oh my god. <laughs> but now we move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you play tell me? What day is it? I'm confused, you say. Yes, it's what day is it? <laughs> oh, well. I told you that one. And today is World Milk Day. Oh! Do you, do you drink milk, Daniel? No, absolutely not. No, not no, at all? I don't like milk. Yeah, me either. I, I don't can't like remember milk. It's, it's gross. I don't even put milk in my tea, No, you know? I don't put it in my coffee. No, I will I, have milk. I will have, like, you know what I mean? Like, things made from milk. Like, in the sense, like, a cake or, like, you know. Right, yo, fuck my like that, yes. Ice cream, but yes. I guess yeah. that's just... We're not supposed to be drinking cow's milk. We're not supposed to. I only to. get a small thing of milk, and that's usually just to make mashed potatoes. Yes, yeah, that's really about it. But we never drink milk. Or really. cereal. I have to have it in my cereal. Well, don't we have oh, don't we have oat milk for our youthful ward or something like that? Well, ugh. <laughs> yeah, but your youthful ward has a, has a lactate. You problem. mean you mean oat water because milk does not come from oats, wheats, or freaking almonds. I think the uh, would you the, like to chime in on that there, uh, Bryce? And it's like $9 more expensive than regular milk. Oh, it's absolutely a lot more expensive, but I, we have a lot less toilet problems now, don't we? <laughs> I don't know, do we? <laughs> I just clean that bathroom. You don't tell my, me there's no problems in there. My water bill hasn't gone down. Wow. Yeah, but we've been eating a lot of dairy. I think, so all, I think, I think maybe all of you should go see a gastroenterologist. Ooh. What do you think? <laughs> I did go to a gastroenterologist. Oh, yeah. my God. All right, be gone with you before another house falls on you, too. Anyway, today is also... Say something nice, day. Fuck, Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we're on brand. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. So that concludes. Say something nice. <laughs> that concludes. 
What day is it? Well, anyway, we usually go on to our next segment, which is Turn Your Head and Cough. But we skipped that segment, for which we now play Get the Guest. How about a little round of Get the Guests? How about that? How about a little game of Get the Guest? I hear the labels. <laughs> I hear the labels. What a cluck you are, George. <laughs> What's the name of the picture, the Betty Davis picture? She comes down, she puts her bags down, she looks around, and she says, what a dump. It's Chicago. It's called Chicago. No, it's not called Chicago, you poop. She looks around and says, what a dump. You know, she's discontent. Oh. She's unhappy, George. Oh. I think he's having a seizure. <laughs> I've tr- I wanted to say that, that that show when I directed it, it was one of the hardest one of the hardest things I've ever done. Albie is not easy. Oh, definitely. Especially not. when it's three acts long and only four actors, mostly two actors. Yeah, the whole time. that's a that's a, a whale of a play. We rehearsed yeah. that show for two and a half months, and I had like a, a year of prep going in. That was tough. There are certain plays like that. That Iceman cometh. Oh man, yeah. Iceman cometh is like sadistic. I feel. Because it's so repetitive and like, oh yeah. Because O'Neill wants to like hit you. And he does. He killed he his wife. Head, right. He killed it. Can you tell? He let me tell you again. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like okay, no, Neil. So talking about shows. Yes, Mr. What Higgins. What are you doing now? Right now we are in Tech Week for Being Earnest, which is a modern adaptation of The Importance of Being Earnest by Oscar Wilde. It's just in time for Pride Month. We're going to be doing it at the Westbury Arts Center in Westbury. Uh, it's going to be opening this Friday, June 3rd, which is also my birthday. And we'll be running uh, until June 11th. So it's going to be a great time. And it's fun and gay and queer. And there's dance scenes and it's fun. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase from Tommy. Yeah. Who said Oscar Wilde's already gay? Important to being earnest is already gay. Yeah. How much more gay can you make it? Um, well, I think it's fair to say that Oscar Wilde wrote under a certain context of his of his queerness. We didn't have he didn't have a definition for it. He wouldn't be able to call it anything. You know, they 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 spoke of it, but not in terms that we would kind of understand. Like Oscar defined himself as a lover of beauty. You know, he not necessarily of a certain sex. You know, in his trial, he called it the love that dare not speak its name. So we, yes, we do recognize that the play is gay. And what we're trying to do is heighten those already present themes to a more modern sensibility so a modern audience can relate to it deeper. Whereas he had written it in a more sub, sub way so that people of his time could see themselves. We are doing that for a modern, a modern queerness. So, so instead of a gay show, we're doing a gay show. No, I would say instead of doing, <laughs> instead of doing a show gay we are doing a gay, gay show. show okay and yes tommy oscar wilde is already gay okay so i'm so glad that you read the wikipedia <laughs> and our very own brycey slash avery is mm-hmm. in the show playing yes cecily. he is playing cecily yes avery is doing an excellent job and i couldn't be more proud of them and i think they're going to do a wonderful wonderful it's wonderful to have them back on our stage it's been so long uh, a lot of people on our stage in the show that's been a while, Peter Goy comes to mind, is back on the stage, who is killing it as Dr. Chaucible. I mean, he's literally, I mean, he's out of this world hilarious. Um, we have yeah. some newbies, some people from the olden times, like old East Line who haven't been on the East Line banner since like 2013. So it's a really like community production, I would Who's say. Who's your Lady Brocknell? That's Van Whitaker. Okay. Who was, and he was first with us. The only time he ever performed with us was back for A Few Good Men in 2013 which I actually have a story about this so we were in that show together and he was playing this character in the play who um, unfortunately you know kills themselves and the director had this bright idea of having a starter pistol on stage now this is way 
well before we had started, you know, since the Alec Baldwin situation. Yeah. Um, so he, the first night, put this part of pistol to his head and pulled the trigger. Oh my oh god! No. And then realized. So then he realized that that was not such a great idea. No. Yeah. So what he did instead, and I might mind you, completely on accident, not intentional, is that he had come down to the forward half of the stage and he was lit by a single spot for this monologue, and it ended with him putting the gun to his head and that you know lights going out, gunshot. Now. In this blocking, I happen to be at this table right next to where that is being lit. Right. So he does the scene. He puts the gun to his head. The lights go out. I'm standing there and freeze, you know, right at the table. And the gun gets pointed right in my face. Oh. Because he put it away from him and he pulled the trigger. Yeah. So the gun went off in my face. Oh, <laughs> and then no. according to other actors on the stage, because I had the first line. Okay. You know, something like, Your Honor, I object, right? And apparently the lights came up. Everyone's looking at me like, oh God, is he okay? And apparently I didn't know it. I just went, Your Honor, I object <laughs> because my ears were ringing. Oh, so, <laughs> so and the whole stage was like the other act one of the other actors who was playing the Tom Cruise character on the other side of the stage put his hands up and lowered them like, Shh <laughs> You don't realize it when you scream at me. <laughs> So yeah, that's my van story. So he's yeah. playing Lady Bracknell, and it's a wonderful cast, and it's going to be a really, really great time. It's fun. It's just a nice, good escapism. Like, we kind of went for this sort of down-the-rabbit-hole vibe, and we go to this sort of other dimension. You know, that's the thing, is that the script is not really, like... I mean, I did abbreviated in sections for, for a, a modern audience, like certain references to English society of that time, I, I did remove from the script. Uh, things that uh, even uh, would go over your head unless you expressly like knew the the joke behind it and why right. Wilde was making the joke. So we have edited the script in such a sense, but also in other places add modern versions of that so that the same intent can be placed as well. So there, it does have an element of it is its own play. It's not it's it's adapted from the Wilde. I'm not okay. trying to say it is Oscar Wilde. Uh, it I was is say, how much how much is Oscar Wilde and how much is Daniel Higgins? I would say we have well we've been doing some hanky panky on this one together. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we 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 work. I, I would say that it's equal. It's it's Wilde's characters. It's his story, but they're my words and it's my intentions and what I am trying to draw out of the text. Um, I don't believe that things are sacrosanct. Do you know what I mean? I feel that things deserve the right to be trying to be reappreciated in a modern audience. Look, I'm not saying that my version is a definitive text, but. I do think that if it does find a way to get Oscar Wilde into the hearts of other people who would never have an opportunity to read Wilde. Yes. It's a whole corner of our culture, of our, of our history as queer people that is not discussed enough. Importance of being honest should be taught in schools. It is a it is a critical play in the canon of Western theater, and it is Look, never let's taught. Let's just get them to put the books, the, the math books. Down. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> no, we should learn two plus Let's two. Say I agree. That's two games. Yeah, I agree with you. But but I'm saying is just that. So I hear Tommy's point, right? That you know, isn't Oscar Wilde already queer? Yes, but not as we would understand it. And okay. We are trying to make it so that we can understand the level of ridiculousness, the level of, of romp that Wilde was really going for, which now we would look at unedited and see it as snooty, maybe boring, maybe dry, uh, maybe old-fashioned, and try to make it more modern and have some fun. So it's kind of like a drag brunch on Fire Island. You know, actually, you know what's hilarious, Stephen, oh is that when I was preparing to write this, I actually there's this wonderful documentary called Divine, all about. Oh, yeah, oh we, we love that. We yeah. love seen that. Yeah, and that's honestly what really inspired me because I watched Divine and I thought, oh man, she would have been a fabulous Lady Bracknell. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Right. And I thought. That's the kind of show I want to do. Quentin Crisp uh, played uh, Lady Bracknell. Say that, say that again. Say that Quentin, three times. Quentin Crisp. 
Quint. Did I say Quint and Quiff? You said Quiff. Quint, 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 Quint with Lady Bracknell. The alien from the breakfast cereal, Lady Bracknell. I mean, it's it's an iconic part. It's an iconic part. I mean, most of them are iconic, you know. But I just, I didn't want, I had been in a production. Eastline had done a production of Importance. Yes, I saw that production. I played Algae, and the show was done very unedited, very traditional, very straightforward. And... I appreciated doing that, but that's not just, just just that's just not the production I wanted to do this time. You know, I feel that those productions you will find in any major high school or college from now to the end of time who are willing to do it. And there's a dime a dozen, but what we what we do what we do need is a production that speaks to what our community is now and who we are now as a community yes. and expressing that in a joyful fun way you know we can do a queer play a queer musical where it's not fucking sad and we can just be happy and queer and literally the term definition of gay and just be happy and celebrate our differences and have a good time while we do it so nothing wrong with that so to there Tommy I say Oh, dear. So what's next on the agenda? Yes, what else do you have coming up on the East Line schedule? Wow. Oh, man, so much is going on. Oh. Well, we have auditions for Angels in America coming up yes. in July. Yes, we do. And yes, we are doing the show. We are doing the show. It's we... already fucking paid for. <laughs> the space is lined up. The team is being assembled. We're doing the full full seven hours straight through. Give me uh, this is actually really be. exciting. This is going to be this line's 10-year anniversary production. We'll be performing it 10 years to the month of our first production under the East Line banner. Excellent. Um, and we're going to be performing it on Unabridged the whole seven hours both parts in in rep for an entire month uh, February 2023 Uh, we're going to do some really really cool things with it I'm really excited about it Um, trying to well, where the conversations are now with the I just want to see you bring the angel down. Well, I, 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 wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say the that... The theater's under construction now to open up the roof. We're having the, the accordion say, door on the roof. I would say that the in this production, the angel will not descend, but we will collide with it. This is, long, is all I This is as long as the angel doesn't... Ascend. <laughs> no, no, no. We will. <laughs> That'll make it a whole, a whole different play. No, no, I would say that we collide with the angel. I think there's a lot of motion in the play. Yes. And I think that there's... Uh, I think Tony Kushner had, had his hand on the pulse of New York. And I think that the first part has this sort of forward motion to it. That then what we do is we collide into the angel. And the angel is sort of this moment where everything has to... F- breaks apart... And then the second part, we spend our time looking at the pieces of that wreckage and realizing what that all means. So I'm trying to emphasize that in the play, and it's going to be fun. Yes, there will be auditions, and every part is open. Every part, okay? Eastline Theater does not precast. Especially when it comes to a show like this, we're going to need people willing to do it. This is the big thing. It's going to be a five-month commitment, and we're going to need people who are like, yeah, let's fucking do this. And that's before the show opens. Yes. (laughs) It's another month, so it is a six-month process. Yeah. So we are going to need a group of people who are with us, you know? Because we're fucking doing this, and we want people who want to fucking do it, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. So if that's you, stay tuned for future audition announcements. But let me just plug real quick. We do have our free Shakespeare coming back this summer. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. We're going to be doing The Two Gentlemen of Verona as directed and adapted by Jessica Reed, which is going to be lovely. Uh, There's a rehearsal of that happening tonight, and uh, I heard some of it, and it's going to be lovely. Now, is Um, that an adaptation, or are you going by the original Shakespeare script? It it is somewhat adapted, but I would say in the sense that it is more suitable for a brief time outside, not... 
So, like, what we learned from Romeo and Juliet was I did edit the script somewhat, right? Okay. But I didn't edit it enough. It was a bit too long. So this is a bit shorter than it's last year. Too but too long in the dead of summer under the scorching sun. Yeah, but it's also, like, intended for, like, multiple in, actors playing multiple roles. Yes. You know what I mean? So in that sense, yes. And there are some... They're, they're making, you know, with the comedy, they're doing some choices. Okay. But, but yeah, I would say it's adapted, but not in the sense that, like, where I've adapted wild. Do you know what I mean? But it's still great. It's wonderful. It's going to be great. It's going to bless you. It's going to be free. So, various so parks. This is free in various parks around Long Island. Yep. And when do we, we run through? We're going to be running from... We open June 18th, and we will run clear through the summer, ending on August 6th. Wow, that's quite a run. Oh, it's quite a run. We're going to be performing at least once or twice every weekend up to that. It's really going to be lovely. And it's just so nice to come out into one of your local parks and just see a troupe of actors do a fun little play. You know, we we saw a few a few things last year in the parks, and they're really fun. Yeah. They're fun to watch. You pack a lunch, you pack a baguette and some cheese, yeah. bring some wine or... In Most a, of the places we're performing does have shade already in it, so you know you'll yeah. have it'll be shade covered. It's good. We're doing it more at like four or five o'clock, so that like the sun is setting and it's not as hot, you know. So it, it really is a great time, and there's just something really beautiful about the community coming together to listen to Shakespeare. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not something the community does often, and for this, it's free. There's no cost for you other than showing up and having a wonderful time. So now, yeah, what made you so. choose two gentlemen of Verona? Well, we did. We did Romeo and Juliet last year. Okay. So we thought it would be hilarious if our return was the other Verona play. <laughs> <laughs> so our marketing has been uh, Eastline returns to Verona. Okay. You know? So come come back to Verona with us this summer. What is the premise of the play for, for oh, well, those who are and, not familiar? Well, this with is this. really interesting, actually. It is Shakespeare's first play. That we think, okay, because nothing is really certain. Uh, it's it's his first comedy. It's uh, basically the way I would put it is that Shakespeare tried everything and everything in once, kind of like Titus. Yes. He tried all of his 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 uh, tragedy tropes in the first one and didn't know which one really worked. He kind of does that here. You know, you have the star-crossed lovers, you have the the brother and sister. You know, the, uh, I should say the twins. You know, you have the sort of comedic relief character that comes in with a dog. It is the one with the dog, by the way, so it does suit this podcast perfectly. Uh, so come see Crab, the dog puppet, at a park near you. Um, you know, and it's basically just about these two men who get banished from Verona because they're in love with these two girls, and it's about their sort of journey to finding each other along the way uh, as they're all banished from Verona and, you know, they're off in the woods and, you know. Of course. And there's a, a happily ever after. Of, of course. course. Ever after. Journey over. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, of course. But it's a good time. It's a lot of fun. Well, where can people learn more about East Line Theater and its upcoming productions, Daniel? www.eastline, one word, east as in the direction, the line as in the line, theater spelled the English way, R-E dot org. And are you also on any social media? Oh, yeah, of course. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. I think we have a Snapchat. I don't know. Twitter. We're on all the medias. Cool. Follow us on all the tubes, okay? Cool. Do you have TikTok? I actually think we do. I think Matt Rosenberg was on TikTok the other day. All right. <laughs> That's excellent. So we will, we will post a bunch of links in the blog. Yep. Yes, we will. And You'll see it on our website. We have, we have, we're doing plays on at least once every two two months. So That's fantastic. We're always the people doing something. So when in doubt, check it out. And there's probably something going on. So come Excellent. down. Excellent. 
It's always going to be at least cost-efficient, cost, cost efficient, so. <laughs> and lastly, since you've already been here before, and we've already asked you the tree question, <laughs> we now go back to an older cocktail question. Okay. Which is, if you were stuck on a desert island, mm. with, and you had one person and one record and one book, what would they be? One person, <laughs> one record, one book. Yes. Uh, one person. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to skip that question. Uh, because I think if I was on a desert island, whoever I brought, I'd eventually kill. So it would end up being one person anyway. Uh, so I think a sail. Fuck. Uh, you want to fuck something other than a coconut. <laughs> yeah, how do you know that? You don't know what I like. Um, I would say if I'm going to pick a record, I mean, the thing is with my records, I go through like my sort of hyper fixations. Okay. So right now I would say... Uh, if you were stuck on an island, which record would you want to have with you at that uh, time? Right now it's the Sex Pistols. Okay. Um, but if you would have asked, asked me like like four weeks ago, it would have been Bronco by Orville Peck. Oh my God. Orville Peck has a queer artist, by the way, so in theme for this podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. He uh, he wrote this unbelievable country, uh, this sort of uh, bluegrass album called Bronco. It's really awesome. So I'd listen to that. If I had a book, right now I'm reading Hamlet. So I'd Ooh. bring Hamlet. Uh, and I guess if I'm going to pick a person, I guess, I, guess, I don't know, uh, Brian. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> he might kill me, though. So. Yeah. Brian who, just so we're clear. Brian, Brian. <laughs> you may Brian, know more than one. Oh. And we don't want the right one to. <laughs> Brian, Brian, Brian Redacted, uh, who, is my, who is my partner. Oh, isn't that sweet? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they would totally kill each other. No, we would. No, we would. He'd kill me. Yeah. He'd kill me first. Yeah. Well, thank you for this joining us for this segment of Get the Guests. You're welcome. I was happy to be gotten. We now move on to our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. Wait, I just got that joke. You get it now? Yeah, like briefs is in like his underwears. Yeah. Yes. That's I got. The that's clever. me. Oh my that, that's god! That's my scream the first time he got undressed. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> You're a man. Uh, anyway. What a case I'm bringing up today may not seem important to what's going on with other cases like Roe v. Wade and the like, but it actually does have some um, significance to it. The U.S. Supreme Court recently overturned its own 10-year-old precedent and denied a death row prisoner a right of appeal. Wow. What had happened was, under the law, a defendant can challenge, can make an appeal on the basis that he was ineffectively represented by counsel. He was, you know, incompetently represented by counsel. So he filed that appeal. Yeah. Unfortunately, the attorney who handled the appeal also fucked up. Okay. So then... Is that not proof then of inadequate counsel? So he lost... Yeah. <laughs> so he lost the state appeal. So then he went to federal court. And in federal court, there was already a case precedent saying that a defendant who fails uh, to challenge their trial lawyer's performance in state court is forbidden from bringing that evidence to federal court, but except if the post-conviction lawyer's own ineffectiveness led to it not being appealed properly in the state. But the court, in a 6-3 ruling, basically said, we're going to totally disavow our 10-year-old precedent on this, and basically this is up to the state now to handle. It shouldn't be in federal court in the first place. And the thing is, the evidence this guy has that was ever presented during the trial could possibly 
exculpate him from the crime of which he was convicted. He was convicted of the rape and murder of his wife's daughter from another relationship. Okay. I think she was like four years old. Wow. And there was evidence that would have possibly cast doubt on whether he was actually guilty or not. But because of his ineffective counsel, it never happened. So, so this guy is possibly innocent and now is been totally fucked by the U.S. Supreme Court. And is probably going to end because it's a death, is it death, in, death row? Basically, unless the state or the gov, the state's governor does something to you know pardon him or you know commute his sentence to life imprisonment, something along that lines... But right now, this guy is scheduled to uh, go well, on death row. I don't understand this, this stupid... Uh, the death penalty. I, I just cannot get behind the moral the moral understanding of it. I just don't. I just don't see how we take people who have done this thing and then do it to them and how that makes us any better and how that makes a justice system any better. I think I think the worst punishment is life in prison. I would agree with you. Because and you're yes, suffering in there us, for does, life. It does cost the taxpayers money, but... Of course I, it does. I, I That's the price of, incarcer of incarcerating criminals. You know, you know, I don't... I don't, I don't know. I, maybe I'm not, I'm just, maybe I'm just one of those. But what's people. scary about this is how easily this court is willing to overturn its own precedent now. Yeah. And that's what they're afraid is going to happen with Roe v. Wade and with the right to contraception and the right to same-sex marriage and the right to privacy. Well, that's why... These are all people are afraid are, are going to be on the chopping block. Well, that's now. what I don't understand is that the, con the, the argument by constitutional Republicans is that, well, and it's Scalia would, would be the loudest one. Who was like, well, the Supreme Court is not a political body. Well, then why is it acting like one? Yeah. As soon yeah. as all the Republicans have a stacked vote, it starts fucking acting like one. Yeah. Because overturning precedent is political. You, you, like, that's not how the court is supposed to function. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. You know, and I just don't quite grasp. It's a mess. It's going to be a mess for a very, very, very long, long time. time. And you know what? We should, maybe we should enshrine things like this in our Constitution. But the amount of efforts and support that would take is just unfathomable. I know. You know what I mean? But yeah, so we're in for some scary times ahead, and yeah. this is just an indication of it, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Which is... And this is when everybody needs to be out and proud and loud. fucking loud. Yeah, loud. exactly. Like loud I said, if they're willing to overturn that precedent that easily, you know other precedents are on the but, chopping block. But also these Republicans who, if you can't tell my politics, uh, these Republicans <laughs> who thrive and live in this hypocrisy of... Screaming one thing and doing the complete opposite without any, any at all consequences. These people never suffer a political consequence. Of course not. Ever. Nope. They could scream that they're pro-life, but then hand AR-15s to people who are going to shoot up schools. They could say they're one thing and do something completely different, and it never costs them fucking anything. Nope. They can stack the system and then say that they're all about freedom. Yep. It makes no fucking sense. Regulate fetuses, not firearms. You know, <laughs> that's their, that's basically their motto it's right so now. Fucking you know, and I just don't. When is there going to be a consequence? When is it going to happen? And if if it has to be the, the people rising up, when is that going to happen? Yeah. Because it might get too late. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid. How of. long until the, the the Republicans have stacked you know every every po you know every police station and the army and you know like when does it happen? When at some point are we being subjected by our own government? I know. Yeah. Especially when it won't represent us. Yeah. Fuck those bitches, <laughs> motherfuckers. Sorry. Which leads us into our next segment, the week in fascism. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen The Longest Day? Oh, I love that movie. Sean has a long moustache. Yes. 
Jean has a long moustache. Jean has a long moustache. Great movie. Great movie. Love that movie. I love that movie too. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Quite all right. It's just the siren made me think of the longest day for some reason, and I don't know why. But North Carolina, the home of Stephen's mother, the GOP lawmakers there in the legislature have introduced their own "Don't Say Gay" bill. Wow! Shock surprise. It would prohibit teaching students about gender or sexuality during kindergarten through third grade, as if they're being taught about it now. I mean, it's, so it's ridiculous. But it would also enforce school employees, like guidance counselors or teachers, to inform a student's parents if the student comes out to them if the parents asked. It would also require schools to notify parents every student's name or pronouns or change in official school records. It's invasion of privacy, isn't it? The bill also grants parents more access to textbook, curriculum, and other aspects of their student's education. If schools do not provide such access, parents would be able to sue the school. Nice. But thankfully, North Carolina has a Democratic governor named Roy Cooper who said he will probably veto the bill. Good. He said lawmakers shouldn't bring the don't say gay culture wars into the state's classrooms. Schools are grateful for involved parents and we need even more than working together with teachers to educate our children. However, the last thing our state needs is another Republican political ploy like the bathroom bill, which hurt our people and cost us jobs. Yes! That's the damn thing. Right? As soon as you start acting like this, it, you know, there is a response. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, but that's exactly what we're saying. We have to get people like that in power who are going to make sure that, that there is someone who's thinking. Yeah. I mean, but the fact that it's an invasion, I mean, I guess it brings into the question of the invasion of privacy. You know, at what point are you old enough to have your own privacy? That's the question. You know what I mean? When and you're that, a minor, you really don't. Exactly. I mean, they're talking about K through thir third grade, right? Yeah. You, they can barely wipe their ass. Who's teaching them about <laughs> sucking dick? But also, but also... <laughs> That's not exactly what they meant by but also, but also, if they're only in grades 3 through 12, why is it your job to out them? If they're in these developmental years of trying to figure out who they are, like, why is it your... It's not the fucking state's responsibility to out people. It shouldn't be. No, what happened, what happened to, you know, don't ask, don't tell? Suddenly now it is, tell me or else right? like you yeah. know what I mean it's only going to inhibit students and just make a worse atmosphere for them it's going to make the suicide rate jump yes yeah. and it's already high enough yes it is and also at, you know at what point are you bogging down your own like in, in the name of defending your child's education are you bogging down the public school system so much that they're not prioritizing educating your child yeah you know yeah which proves that that is your intention the whole time. You don't want and your child And if you don't educated. teach sex ed, they don't know about the diseases that are out there, and they're going to die of syphilis or something or else. Something terrible. Because they're scared to talk to anybody about the, the, the things that are showing up in their genitals. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know? They're not going to talk to a doctor because the doctor could tell my mother, and then my mother could sue someone. Yeah. Right? What the fuck? I know. It's, it's getting out of hand. It's really just out of hand. Which leads us now to our next topic under this week in fascism. In El Paso, a 17-year-old trans girl was attacked outside a library by a group of four men nice. on Tuesday evening. The, the men basically approached her and they said, oh, look, it has a dick. She then, They then blamed her for perverting kids instead of killing them and then grabbed her arm to twist her body around. She said the man who grabbed her said, yeah, you know, it was one of your sisters who killed those kids. Referring to the shooting at Robb Elementary School that left 21 dead. And she said the man said, you're a mental health freak. And she was a finally able to break free and got help. And, of course, she tried to report the incident to the police. The police did nothing. She then contacted the Rainbow Youth Project. And they tried to file a report. And nothing came of that either. But this is just whether it's in the state legislatures 
or it's on the street. Trans people are now this year's scapegoats. Yes, they are. And it's disgusting, <clears throat> and it has to fucking stop. Why? Why? What? It's enough. Why? Why? Why do we? I feel like we're back in. Fuck! I hate to say it, but Berlin in the thirties with all the anti-Jew propaganda. Now we have anti-trans propaganda all the time. It's the fucking disgusting in this fucking country. It's happening in a country that is supposed to be focusing on individual pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Yeah. In the in in our founding documents, individual pursuit of happiness. But don't be different than anyone else. No, but don't be different than me. Don't be. You have to be like me. Then you can have happiness. You know, it's just ah, it just. It's just it just frustrates the fuck out of me. As it should. You can see as it, as it should because what what because uh, then it's now it's you know we were talking about it before the podcast with comedians you know people who want to get their fifteen seconds uh, byline on CNN you know yeah. they, all they have to do is say something anti trans and then suddenly everyone's talking. I about know. It. So it's like it's become it's become the you know trendy trendy thing to do du jour you know is to attack and bash trans people but like I, I mean this thing with these men accusing her of, of well not accusing her but saying a trans person committed that mass shooting they didn't just come out of that on their own that started on right wing social media and before you know it was picked up by a congressman uh, Paul Gosar you know the guy whose own family disowned him basically yeah, yeah. and he was like he was removed from his committee assignments and all that in the congress so he's basically useless even he promoted that fucking conspiracy theory that a trans person committed that killing. Yeah. It's enough, you know? Yeah, it is enough. It's enough. It is enough. <sighs> okay, I'm not I taking you to the hospital for... <laughs> I know, I gotta come down. down. Gotta come down. It just gets me so angry, I'm sorry. This week in high blood pressure. Yeah, right? <laughs> we now move on to our next segment in which we like to watch. I like to watch, Chief. What do you mean, you like to watch? I like to watch. What is that? <laughs> I like to watch. I, I get that part. <laughs> that was Peter Sellers and Shirley MacLaine in the 1979 movie Being There. Right. Have you ever seen it? I read. Yeah, you know that That's that a great that, movie. That book is the reason I love to read. I read Being There and like it's a brilliant grade. American satire. Yeah, great. Really is. So I had Chauncey to see the Gardener. That. Yep, Chauncey, Chauncey the, the Gardener. Gardner. <laughs> Peter Sellers' best performance. Yes. Oh, he's without a doubt. Without a doubt. And well, Dustin Hoffman stole the Oscar that year from him because of Kramer versus. Kramer, yeah, I can understand Dustin Hoffman is pretty excelling in that film, but Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers was amazing. Peter Sellers, yeah, so good. He was amazing in that. But first, I'd like to watch. What have you been watching recently, Daniel? Anything on TV, the movies, the theater? I am dead center. Okay. Of the fourth season of okay. Stranger Things right now. Ah, that's you a see, show we can't get into because of the one kid in the that one fucking commercial that annoys they the. Was it a cell phone? Was it a mobile phone commercial that he did? And it's he had that a phone commercial, or a, he, he a, had like a, curly hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. Gaden, Gavin, Gavin, Gavin. Uh, he annoyed me so much, and he was on like constant commercials with him, and it's well, like, oh, shut up. Well, I would say like, <laughs> yeah, the, the the cast is now the ensemble cast is older, so they're now like better actors. I would say. Okay. So the the plot has been allowed to get a bit more mature. Okay. Which I think has done it wonders. I do think there is a bit of hokiness still to it that now doesn't work. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Where the hokiness worked when they were kids. Yeah. It was like now, Goonies with, with Supernatural and it worked. And now the Supernatural, I just, it's not, it's not, I mean, again, I'm only mid-season, so I got to see where it goes. But okay. right now, I'm liking it. I really am liking it. Uh, you know, I've been watching it since the beginning, so I'm watching that. And I just started, and I highly recommend this, Pistol, which is a... Oh, the Sex Pistols. Oh, yes, yeah. I have it on my, added uh, to my it's watch list. so... Good. Yeah, I'm it's, looking forward to that. It's a 
excellent. Danny Boyle directed that, right? Yeah. Yes. It's exceptional. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Okay. It's so good. It's on Hulu. I only watched the first episode, but I'm like hooked. It's All right, so cool. Good. Yeah, that's on the list. Definitely to watch. Yeah, cool. absolutely. Good to know. Yep. Good to know. So those are my watches. Oh, one more. It kind of goes back to In Your Briefs. Uh, the Staircase. Oh, oh we, we saw, saw that. that. We watched yeah, that. That was good. That. Yeah. yeah. That was wild. Colin Firth, I think, was yeah. in it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was really good. Yeah, that was wild. Right? That's some wild shit. <laughs> but it's funny you brought up Stranger Things because I know there was some controversy over the opening episode of well, the new season. Uh, well, yes. I think it happened. And I watched angels. the opening episode. What had happened was they premiered you see the. what he does without me? He watches shit. I watched it on YouTube. <laughs> They premiered the opening episode. It happened like right after the shooting in El Paso or in Vialde, uh, whatever yeah. the name of the town is. So they they issued a disclaimer in the beginning of the episode saying, we filmed this episode a year ago. We realize this may have an effect on people, but we don't think that we did this recently. We just filmed this. We did this a year ago, blah, blah, blah. And the opening scene, it's these kids in this facility who are all killed. You don't see them getting killed, but they you see... Dead. Their bodies all over the place. Yeah, it's it is jarring. It is yeah, jarring. I I, I, I I watched the whole scene and I thought to myself, if you are so worried about the effect it has on viewers, simply because a shooting occurred, why film the episode at all? I would agree. There were definitely especially with the frequency of mass shootings in this country. Yeah. Yeah. If you're so worried about the reaction to the episode opening that way, don't film it that way. Yeah. I, I think there's definitely were different different ways you could have done that. Right. You could have done the episode. There are definitely different ways, I would say. And it's it's I tough. mean, yeah, I appreciate they did it, but if 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 you're worried about that kind of reaction, you shouldn't have filmed the scene in the first place. Well, they, I think they handled the there's a disclaimer for the episode now that kinda tells you what's coming. So yeah. Like you, it's not a surprise, it's not a shock. And you know, again, I agree with you. I don't I, uh, there was definitely more there were different ways in executing that scene. Right. They would have given the same intent. They didn't need to show dead kids. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, we could also just solve gun violence in the country. Well, I know. <laughs> we could also just do that. Right. Anyway, we can talk about what we've been watching. What have, we, yeah, what have you been watching? We've been watching Obi-Wan Kenobi. Don't say a... Don't shush. Okay. Don't say a goddamn thing. Oh, oh my God, you see him naked all the time. Oh, that... that <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> That would make me not watch it. <laughs> oh, please, I love you, McGregor. Oh, I love him, too. Well, that's what he's talking about. Oh. <laughs> what, did you think I meant the old man? No. <laughs> Alec no, Guinness no, is yeah, naked. Yeah, so no, we don't want to see Sir Alec Guinness naked, but we do want to see you and McGregor yeah. naked. Yeah, no, I haven't But unfortunately, that hasn't happened yet in the series. Well, it's a, it's a good series. <laughs> it's, I think it's really well done so far. Yeah. yeah. It's you know, It takes place 10 years after the events of the <laughs> last prequel movie. I can't even think of the name of it. Uh, Revenge, Revenge of the, of the Sith. Sith. And it basically, it picks up on him on the same planet where he's watching over Luke Skywalker yep. of course yep. and it has this whole other storyline which I'm not going to tell you about I won't tell you anything going on it's really really good it's been in the news lately which really pissed me off for the wrong reasons okay. There's one actress in the show named Moses Ingram. She plays one of the Inquisitors, yeah. which are these people sent by the Emperor to track down and kill the Jedi. What's left of them, yeah. Yes, and she plays one of these Inquisitors. But apparently fans have been reacting to it because they have a black person playing this Inquisitor. And they've been posting all this racist bullshit on social media about it. To the point where I think that the company, the film company, had to come out and actually say something. And she's trying to brush it off, the actress herself, it's saying, tough. you know, hey. But it's ridiculous. I mean, how many times do we have to go through this with Star Wars? Who cares? You it's went through this with John Boyega. You went through this with the with the what was the Asian actress from the uh the, the from the, the sequel movies. Yeah. Now we're going through it with this actress. 
Well, not for nothing. When are we going to stop going through this period? Yeah, but also, but also, it's a fantasy. Who cares? I know. People are blue. People are blue. People in Star Wars are literally blue. Right? They're green and blue and yellow and red. That was one of the things that, they that's said. That's your problem. They said we. They said we. There are over twenty thousand species in the Star Wars galaxy. <laughs> you know, on the black if, person. If, if that's the case, then you know what? We should take offensive uh, against a white person playing Anakin because it was originally played by James Earl Jones. <laughs> there you go. Amen to that. Uh, it just. It's just. It's disgusting. It really is disgusting that that such racism has got to spill over. Will be a racist will be a racist. Into this. Will be a racist. In, but it's just a shame that the racism has to spill over into into something like this, into Star know. Wars, you know? It's just a shame. And so, that just proves that these people can't figure a difference between reality and fantasy. Yeah. Yep. And we also just finished watching this great series called Who Killed Sarah? Or as they say in Spanish, Quien Mató a Sara? Okay. On Netflix. Cool. It's it this, was really good. It's this revenge show, murder mystery, Spanish telenovela. It takes place in Mexico and it's all about this guy getting revenge on his family that wrongfully put him in prison for the murder of his sister and he goes back and gets revenge and he's trying to talk down who actually did murder his sister. It's oh. it's it's good, it's cheesy, and there's lots of male nudity which oh I really love. The yes. ass on, and uh, then some of them have really good bodies. Mm. But others have like normal bodies. Yeah. But it's just so fucking hot. Yeah. The guy playing the lead is just at the fucking hairy chest. Oh yeah, he's gorgeous looking. The, just gorgeous looking. The, the, the you know the Mexican. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my yeah. It's heart okay. just goes it's okay. Yeah. I think I just came. <laughs> but the series are like it's like it was a three seasons. It was three seasons. And it's it's worth the watch if you want to. Please go ahead and start from the beginning. It's worth it. It's really okay. really good. I. We definitely recommend definitely it. Definitely recommend it. You know, it. it really kept you guessing the whole time as to who killed Sarah. Okay. And even at the end, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Right, yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. We'll take a look at it. Yeah, definitely check it out. I'll definitely check it out. And then <laughs> lastly, we started watching the final season of Grace and Frankie. I gotta tell you, uh, I stopped watching after uh, season two. Grace it, yeah, and Frankie. It's, it's, got, it's hit rock bottom now. Or as I call it, Frankie and Johnny. Yeah. I call it Frankie and Johnny. I loved it. I, yeah, it's I a, loved it was it. a great I show when it. it first started, the first couple of years. It's a bunch of fluff. I love those two together. They, 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 and, and they... Lily Tomlin, right? I loved all the yeah, characters. They're all great all. characters in the show. This season, though, <sighs> you can tell they're like, it's over. The convoluted storylines, the, um, it's just, it's Once not Once Grace same. got married again. And then divorced again. And then divorced again. It, it, and then married again. And it, then divorced it, it's, again. Yeah, it's, an, it was an, it, it's just, it's enough. It's not the same anymore. Yeah. yeah. I hate to say it, because I was, it's, but it Sam was. Sam Watterson and, Mike, and Martin Sheen, though, are they good in it, at least? Yeah, I mean, they're old. Though. I get tired of Sam Morrison's character because he gets so whiny, whiny. sometimes. Oh, oh my, my god, can he god. get whiny? I thought I was fucking whiny. This motherfucker is a whiny bitch. Yeah, I love Sam Morrison. <laughs> I love the, some of the other actors in the show too. The ones who play the kids, you know. I saw Sam Morrison, but they made they made what's his name Wolfie? Oh, Coyote. Coyote. <laughs> I knew it was a. <laughs> They made, this season, they made him too smart. I know, all of a sudden. He was dumber than dirt, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's like. On top of things now, yeah. It, it was but just, yeah, so yeah. sorry to say, it's a sad end to Grace and Frankie. Yeah. But thanks for the laughs, we appreciate it. Oh, can I throw one more in? 
Yes, you can. Better Call Saul. Oh, yeah, some uh, of the show we didn't get into. Better Call he Saul is the not... best television show on television, and I will fight on the highest hill again for it. No, it is excellent. If, if he starts watching that, he'll fight you on it because he does not watch lawyer shows. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of lawyer shows because I criticize him all the time. Yeah. Well, they're, they're and then, and, and to be fair, you're supposed to criticize Saul. He's not. Okay. He's a great lawyer, but because he's a bad. But lawyer, every time I know. see a criminal trial, and the star of the show is a defense uh, defense attorney, and they always get the last word in the criminal trial. It's like, no, no, no. Prosecution gets the last word. <laughs> Not the defense. It drives me crazy shit like That's that. That's his, his big thing. He's like, nope, that'll never happen. Nope, nope, that'll never happen. Oh, you can... Like, I mean, yeah. I remember going to buy this house and he he, he tells me he's having words with the, the, the judge and he was going to go and report him to... Uh, well, it's a report to the administrative judge. Administrative judge. He's like... Uh, we might not have the money for the house. $15,000 for bail, just in case I get held in contempt. Nice. Nailed it. It didn't come to that, Didn't though. come to that, thank God. Yes. In case I get held in contempt. Yes. Yeah, that was quite a day in court. <laughs> oh, my God. But anyway, we now move on to our oh, next... Oh, wait. I, was I done talking about... Oh, what? I'm sorry. Was there anything else that you watched that you want to talk I about, Stephen? I was Steven? watching... It's, it's fluff, but it's really cute. Hemlock Grove. Oh, his, I like my... Werewolves and, and vampire shows. Okay. Vampires and witches and werewolves. Well, Hemlock you would think you would love those. Stranger Things. It's all about that. Hemlock Grove has werewolves and vampires, but it's coming from a gypsy point of view. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Right? So it's like, it's a really cool show and a, a, a lot of naked. Uh, Billy Skarsgar is, and he's got nice butt. <laughs> Billy Skarsgar. William Skarsgar. Billy. Billy, that's his name? He, Billy? He calls him Bill. Okay. Sorry, Bill Skarsgård. Skarsgård! There's a lot of them, isn't there? Yes. There's a lot of, of Skarsgård. Peter Skarsgård is... is it, Peter I think they're his kids, Peter's right? The Probably, yeah. yeah. And then, well, what's his face in The Northman? What's his name? Uh, yeah, that's Alexander. Alex. Alexander. He, that movie is fucking wild, man. True Blood. Oh, yeah, True Blood, that's right. He yep. in True Blood. Yes, he was. And Bill was in It. Also, he was the clown. Yes, that's right. He was that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. He played Pennywise. Yeah. But this, uh, I think, if you want to watch something that's not going to take your brain all... To new places. To weird places. This is a good show. It's really... Tune out and tune in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It it let me get away from the computer screen. Yeah. And, you know... Yeah. It lets you fantasize a little. Like, you need any help with that? Yeah. You know. <laughs> Away from the computer. <laughs> uh, anything else you watched? No, even? that's all. That was all? You Whatever. sure? Nothing yeah. else? Okay. We now move on to our next segment. Psst, people saying stupid things. God, Karen, you are so stupid. <laughs> so it's the Darwin Awards section. Yes. yes. And this one may seem like shooting fish in a barrel, but I had to do it because it was a doozy. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is low hanging fruit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Once you normally you I would landing. normally I wouldn't cite her, but this was just so incredibly stupid. I I just had to include it. She was on her, I guess, one of her social media channels and on her episode of MTG Live. Okay. And I guess she was referring to Bill Gates, who has invested in companies that are trying to produce alternatives to meat, like Beyond Meats and Carbon Engineering. Sure. 
Those kind of things. So this is Marjorie Taylor Greene on her episode. You have to accept the fact that the government totally wants to provide surveillance on every part of your life. They want to know what you're, when you're eating. They want to know if you're eating a cheeseburger, which is very bad because Bill Gates wants you to eat his fake meat that grows in a peach tree dish. Okay. In a peach tree dish? Yes. Peach? Like if they actually said peach tree. I, listen, I listened to the video three times to peach make sure. That's what she said in a peach tree dish. <laughs> so you'll probably, I, think, I think that sounds quite lovely. So you'll probably get a little zap inside your body and then it's saying, no, no, don't eat a real cheeseburger. Eat the fake burger. They probably also want to know when you go to the bathroom if your bowel movements are on time or consistent. Jesus. I mean, what else do these people want to know? <laughs> you know there, used to, there used to be a time, Patrick, where people would say that. And they would never be elected to public. Of office. course not. <laughs> like you would only hear that on talk radio. Do you know what I mean? I, I there think used I, to be a time when their speech writers would say, "No, you're not saying that." Yeah. Right. Or like uh, you remember? Do you remember in the grocery store there used to be like you know Global News Now? Yes. You know what I mean with like Bat Boy. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like as if like a person who wrote for that became a congresswoman. It's like insane. It's, it's like I think Dan. We can blame Dan Quayle for setting the bar so low as to how much stupidity the American Dan public. Exactly. Except, you know? And Nuke Enrich. Oh, say. my God. Yeah, well. Well, Dan just didn't know how to spell. Uh, but to Marjorie Taylor Greene, we say... Stupid! You're so stupid! <laughs> I concur. <laughs> I concur. And we now move on to our next segment, Five Faves! Whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. When the dog bites, when the bees stick, when I'm feeling sad. I said you can't have a gay podcast without yeah. a little sound of mucus. Yeah, of course. And <laughs> I feel so bad. And for today's five, and for today's five faves. In honor of it being LGBT Pride Month, you were named to ask your five favorite queer figures in history. Ooh. So, who would like to start? Uh, <laughs> Stephen can go first. All right, I'll start. Okay. One of my favorites, not in any particular order. Okay. Harvey Milk. Mm. Oh, good choice. Because of all his activism and and the what the poor guy went through. You know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I learned a lot watching the movie Milk and forced me to, uh, do a little bit of research myself, or I should say Patrick did a little research and I read it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's one of my, my faves. Cool. Do we, do we go in like a circular one? We, yeah, we go, we'll do one at a time. All right, my first one is weird. I know, actually I'll do this one first because it's kind of on the same, same token as you, which is Larry Kramer. Okay. Which, which I would say, <laughs> I don't know if anyone has him, he wrote the normal <laughs> He was an act up. He formed act up. One of the loudest voices, you know, and I think Harvey Milk falls into that category. The, the kind of people who will put themselves in the public square on the soapbox and scream and say that this isn't right and demand change. Yeah. Like, we would not be here without people like that. And I think because of Larry Kramer's constant anger, you know, we were better for it and we're more protected because of it, you yeah. know, because people like him, I mean, Harvey, Harvey took a bullet for it, you know, and, and, and. You know, Larry was ostracized constantly, you know, and uh, also By I think both the straight and the gay community. Yes. Yeah. And I would say that Larry uh, also is so iconic for going after <laughs> after Koch. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> His great. constant attacks on Koch are so iconic. Oh, they're great. Know? It was um, very awful. But I, I think, you know, 
you got to recognize the people who are willing to be brave enough to, to say their minds and say their piece. Yeah, absolutely. So Larry Kramer's my first one. Cool. My first choice is also a writer. His name is Ethan Morden. He was basically the first gay writer that I read. And like, I basically read almost all of his gay fiction. He also writes about opera, Broadway musicals. In fact, he wrote a series of Broadway books that should be like used in a theater class. Because okay. it covers like the history of theater from the 20s up to the present. And he's a... F- Phenomenal writer, phenomenal fictional writer. He basically is part of this whole... He basically came in the Stonewall generation. That's what he came out of. He's still alive today. He's in his 80s. I don't think he's writing much anymore, but uh, he's still around. Yeah, so Ethan Morden is my first choice. Okay. So who's your next choice, Stephen? My next choice might not be some people's fave, Uh but she's someone who, who I think affected a lot of people and definitely affected... Stonewall in general, Martha P. Johnson, she took crap from straight people, gay people, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to, she's the one that started it, the whole thing, and they even tried (laughs) to write her out of the history. Yeah. She still had to fight. Fight within her own community. Within her own community. You're right. And I, I think... And it's a shame that people like her are still fighting right now within our own community. We're not backing each other up. I think uh, if, 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 the, uh, if the queer movement has a patron saint, I think it is Marsha P. Johnson. Yes. yes. And something I never knew before, and I know Patrick didn't, she was painted by Warhol. Really? Yes, yeah. We, we were watching the, uh, Warhol the Warhol documentary. documentary. I didn't know that. I just started that. Oh, it's excellent. And this, all of a sudden, Martha P. he had taken transients yeah. off the street and was painting them yeah. for for one of his projects yeah. and there's Martha wow yeah well he must have known and for her not she's finally getting some of the respect now that she's dead yeah well my next pick is a little off the beaten path okay which is Anne Bonny Anne Bonny that's a pirate isn't yes, it yes she is a pirate I thought so I wrote she, about her she was the captain of a of a of a pirate ship and was an openly Queer woman. Yes, she, she was. She had a wife. Yep. They were married on the ship by sea law. So I think that's pretty fucking cool. You know? I learned about her. I was doing research. I was writing a play on like gay history segments, and I was gonna write a pirate segment. And when did she, <laughs> when did she live? She what was it in the 1700s, You know, she was during the time when um, when uh, uh, what was the name of the enclave? Uh, where they, the pirates sort of had their own port city. Yes, down in the Caribbean. Down yeah, we Caribbean. just saw that on uh, our flag means death. Yeah, yes. and it, it was like this this place. So yeah, it's early it's early eighteenth century. But, but also yeah. queer queer marriages were very common in in pirate culture. Like yeah. men married men, women married women. They didn't care. No, you know. Like and because it was not it's about a recent that. fucking thing. Yeah, because it's also like that has become an issue yeah. because yeah. it became labeled. Yeah, right? exactly. Right and I think it's interesting when you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean. You don't care who fires the gun next to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't care who what sword you just so long as someone's next to you with a sword. You don't care who they are, what they look like, what they want, who they want to fuck. They, yeah. You don't care when it comes down to that. Right. You know? And I, well, anyway, and Bonnie. Truly uh, icon, true icon. Good choice. Flying, flying from ship to ship. <laughs> full, full lesbian. Oh my god. Pirate in comfortable shoes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next choice, which I think was mentioned earlier on this uh, podcast, 
is divine. Yes. Of course. Without divine, you wouldn't have RuPaul. No. Nope. No. Nope. You know, she really was. I mean, there were other drag queens, drag performers before divine, but divine is the one who was up there on the screen. She ate shit for her art. Yeah. She literally ate shit for her art. She really did. She pushed herself. Yeah. And it's a damn shame we lost her just as... Just as as she's reaching that mainstream fame with Hairspray. I think the world would have been much different if she was able to... If she had continued to... Yeah. I think that drag because in other countries drag culture is very normal like, exactly in England pantomime is a huge thing like even in like Shakespeare's time the term drag by the way comes from Shakespeare's time when men would play women characters right because their costumes would drag, drag on the stage of course so like this is you know only in this country is drag suddenly this like new thing that everyone has to be up in arms about no honey it's been around for hundreds of years right Get it, get over it, you know. But yeah. Divine's really the one who put it on the American map. She yeah, really did. Absolutely. So I give her a lot of credit for that. So. Kiss went up to Divine. That's right. Yeah. So who's your next choice, Stephen? Let's see. I've got my list. Well, another trans woman, Laverne Cox. Mm. Okay. She brought trans into into people's home. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know. Interesting. And not just with Orange is the New Black. Yeah. You know, and people relate to her. Yeah. Straight people. Yeah. My mother. Mm type of people can relate to her. Yeah. You know, and she deserves the respect. She deserves more respect than she actually got. Mm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We, we approve. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you clearly have a type, Steve. Yeah, right? <laughs> but, and, she, and she looks fabulous. Yes, she does. Um, Who's your number three choice, Daniel? Mine's an easy, low-hanging fruit, but I feel like no list, uh, I guess we have 15 picks here, can be... I think we have to uh, address uh, Stephen Sondheim, who created the basically the modern musical canon while being an openly gay man yes and was not afraid of that and i think lived his life openly you know one of the first real broadway stars to come out yeah in a very mm-hmm. casual fashion sort of set that standard and then uh, continue to prove that being gay doesn't define define you in your work no. that you can create these sort of universal works of art that any person can relate to no yeah. who you are and i think steven is part of the normalization of queerness in in modern consciousness. Do you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. like to have a force like that, so such a prolific cultural force, be gay. Yeah, I think you can't you can't go unrecognized. So Stephen Sondheim, and he wrote a pretty good tune now and then too. Nah, not a tune you can hum. <laughs> not a tune you go bum bum dum dum. My third choice, a bit of an obscure one. King Ludwig II of Bavaria. Oh, damn. Damn, he took my first choice. Aww. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Is that where we get the frame Ludes? No, not quite. <laughs> not quite. But in southern Germany, in the Bavaria section of Germany, all those ornate castles that are down there, King Ludwig II is responsible for building all those. Oh, fancy Leave that. it to a queen yes. to go overboard with everything. <laughs> well, of course, back then, I mean, they didn't have homosexuality per se. He was basically, it was an open secret that he had numerous gay lovers. Eventually, he was put under house arrest, and officially, he was claimed to have died of suicide, but they think he was actually murdered instead. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Because they, th- they, they could no longer him. put up with his eccentric behavior. Oy. And they were kind of disappointed that he hadn't produced an heir. Well, uh, <laughs> that wasn't going to happen now, was it? Right. <laughs> 
So, yeah, so, but yeah, King Ludwig, and actually there's a play written about him by Paul Rudnick. Oh, really? Yes, I fit the name of the play. And maybe, I think it's called Ludwig II, actually. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Yes, and a very humorous take on his story. Okay. So, yeah, so that's my number third choice. What's your fourth choice, Stephen? I don't know if it's my favorite gaze, but it's someone who brought some attention, per se, okay. and that's Alan Turing. Mm. Ooh, very nice. You know, he helped decode Nazi transmissions yep. and, and messages, and yeah. and what did he get for it? Castration. Yeah. Yes, he did. You know, and it's typical of the governments to, yep. to you know, oh, you just saved our lives, but we don't like who you sleep with, so we're going to rip your balls off. Yeah, you know, two things about that is that, you know, that the UK didn't uh, exonerate him until 2012. Yep. He was still on the books as committing a crime until 2012. Yeah. And also, I think is wild, is that the, the, the UK officials and some American officials, often after World War II, would use the evidence that Nazis found on queer people yep. to reincarcerate them yep. Yep. and try them after they had been in concentration camps. Yeah, yep. because they kept, the, they kept the anti-gay laws on the books on the after the war. Did. Yeah, because yeah, they went from the concentration camps directly into jails. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, is that Alan Turing is the reason we won the war. I mean, he, there's no other person in World War II who had more a single impact uh -huh. than him. Yeah. And we don't teach him in schools because he's gay. Yep. And that's actually, Larry Kramer says that in The Normal Heart. Yeah, yep. exactly. A gay man, World One, World War Two. you know, yeah. and that's true. It know? is true. Good pick, Stephen. Yeah, right? good pick. Who's your number four pick? I'm between two, so I'm just going <laughs> to go with James Baldwin. Ooh, one of my favorite orders yes. oh, my, and writers. And I think that I was between him and I think someone who's very similar to him, Gore Vidal, who are both very of that same ilk. I'll take James Baldwin. I will Gore take Vidal. James Baldwin. I mean, I, that's why I picked him. I think he's a more eloquent Oh, my speaker. God. But some people speaker. that went in front of the television in the advent of television and sat there and presented queerness as normal. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, to the viewer in their homes, like, hi, I'm someone you will relate to and know and recognize. Like, I could be your neighbor. Do you know what I mean? I am probably your neighbor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think also, obviously, James's unbelievable literary, you know, library, his his word. He wrote a play, by the way. He's got a great play yeah. called Amen Corner. Yeah. Excellent, excellent play about a, a, a young gay black boy coming out to his, his mother. So it's very sort of like Tennessee Williams in that way. You and know, of course, with the classic novel, Giovanni's Room. Of course, Giovanni's Room, and I'm Not Your Negro, and yeah. you know, all other sorts of essays. And Anyway, yeah, one, of a, he's, one of my favorite... He's one of my favorite individuals, period. Yeah, I think... He's just of, an amazing person, one I of think. The, one, of the great, one of the greats, period. Yeah. End of sentence. Yeah, without so, a doubt. So James Baldwin. All right. Good choice. I know. <laughs> <laughs> my next choice is actress, trans woman, Dominique Jackson. Okay. She was okay. on Pose. Yes. And she played she... this fierce character. And a lot of the yes. elements in Pose, a lot of the story elements, were taken from their lives. And this is a woman, she came from... I think from Trinidad, rejected by her family. I can came to the United States, worked in prostitution for a while to survive. A lot of her, a lot of the story in Pose is about her. Yeah, you know, and just an amazing woman. The character she portrays—I mean, she's the villain in the beginning of, of, of Pose. By the end, she's part of the the group of these trans women who go forward yeah. together and try to improve their lives. Mm. But you see how many lives she's touched and helped, even being the villain. Yeah, she didn't let it be known. She was one of the she was one of the heads of one of the houses. One of the houses. 
But she brought all these girls in under her wing, fed them, yeah. clothed them, protected yeah. them. She did the hard work. That's a great so that series. they did not have to. It's Pose, yeah. I can't recommend that series enough. You know, yeah, a Pose. Really, really good. And like I said, she's just... She is fabulous, and that yeah. I, I haven't seen her in anything else lately. I have to go go look, I guess, because I'm sure she no, has to be doing I'd something. I'd like to see her in something else. Yeah, because she's an excellent actress. And so uh, statuesque. Yeah, oh my God, yeah, she's tall. Wow. She's beautiful. <laughs> Danny's getting licked and licked and licked by uh, Abigail. By Abigail. <laughs> I'm getting my bath. Oh. And you're going to smell nice because she just had dinner with her salmon oil in it. Oh, nice. <laughs> so who's your fifth and final choice, Stephen? Another one, it's an activist. Okay. I'm all about the activists. Baynard Rustin. Oh, okay, yeah. We just watched something on him recently, too. Yeah, he was, um, we watched him, uh, his story on Martin Luther King. Yes. Well, that was the, uh, the Selma... The, the bus boycott, yes. yeah, and the, and the march through and Montgomery. The march. He is another queer person with a voice that made it be heard. Well, unfortunately, they also they kind of also like, kind of quieted him yeah, and shut him up. They didn't want. I mean, I think he like didn't speak at the march on Washington because he was gay. Because he was gay, you know. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, he's a what he stands for is is, is something I can relate to. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Definitely. Okay. And who is your fifth and final choice, Daniel? Mine's a little weird. My last choice is a little weird. It's actually Walt Whitman. Really? That's a great choice, I Walt think. Walt Whitman is my favorite poet. I love his mall. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone downhill. The only good thing there is P.F. Chang's. <laughs> actually, one of the first things when the pandemic hit is I read Song of Myself, Leaves of Grass. I read the whole mm -hmm. thing from cover to cover. Yeah. And it changed my life. And I actually want to quote just the, the first three lines, if you don't mind. Nope. I celebrate myself and sing myself, and what I assume you shall assume, for every atom belonging to me as good belongs to you. And I think for someone in his era to say from the, his first three lines, right? a public poet, to be like, I and you are of the same, you know? And even before there was a word for it, he probably wouldn't have called himself outwardly, you know, he wouldn't no, have defined but himself. No, but I think it was known. Yeah, of that, course it was known, and you know? I think that one of the un overlooked oftentimes in lists like these, I think, to, to, to be such a literary powerhouse such as him yeah. in his time, mm -hmm. and to write such eloquence like that. So, Walt Whitman. Good choice. Probably my favorite Good final choice. Time. I would say Walt Whitman is my favorite gay. <laughs> <laughs> My final choice is also an actress who's probably better known for her off-film antics than for her films. Uh oh Tallulah Bankhead. Yeah. What a great choice! <laughs> did you know that Tallulah Bankhead was in the original production of Skin of Our Teeth? No, I didn't know. Yeah, and Skin of Our Teeth. This bitch has been around for so long. Yeah. So wait a minute, this is hilarious, right? So the most recent production of it, that's it just closed actually. It was running at Lincoln Center. Yeah. So the production has on the edge of the stage stage lights okay. on the edge of the stage which the play calls for. And the reason the play calls for it is because Tallulah Bankhead refused to be lit by overhead lighting. <laughs> she said, I will only be lit from down lighting. <laughs> so the production, anytime she was on stage, would only light the space from the from the Bankhead lights. Isn't that fabulous? Oh, no. Sorry. Okay, I'm just so funny that you mentioned Tallulah Bankhead. I, oh, I love that. You, I love that. There are so many stories of the things that she did and said. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I said, they overshadow her stage and film career, but... She is. What she was great, and for those of you who don't know, she was bisexual. She mm -hmm. swung on both sides of the Hollywood aisle. Doubles your chances on a Saturday night. <laughs> right, exactly. But she, probably her most famous film is probably the Alfred Hitchcock film, Lifeboat. Yes. She's one of the passengers in that. 
and she's very good in the, in the parts that she has. But if you ever get a chance to read some stories about her, look her up. Tula they're, they're great Tula. stories. Girl. And she was also on Batman, the original yes, TV series. She was. Yes. <laughs> she was everywhere. She was crazy. Yes, she was. So that concludes our segment of five faves. Right. We now move on to the grumpy old gay men gripe of the week. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Is that fucking Clint Eastwood? Yes. Of course it is. Yes, from Grand Torino. If any old grumpy old gay man is going to say anything, we're going to make it. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Yes. Clint Eastwood gay. <laughs> so, Stephen, what is your gripe of the week? I don't know. Oh, please, you're always complaining about something. Well, the road's on Long Island, but, you know, that's... What else is new? Yeah. It's like, oh no, look out, there's roadway in the fucking in the middle hole. Yeah. <laughs> I know, actually got it's... two flat tires in the span of one week because of the roads on this fucking island. It's ridiculous. We were going out, we had to go to see his brother. His brother was in the hospital. We had to go to Port Jeff. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. It wound up being almost an hour to get up to the North Shore to Point Port Jeff. And the roads are... Million-dollar homes and 17-foot potholes in the middle of the yeah, street. Yeah, it's the road the infrastructure bill. That's what I mean. The, the, the federal government just gave all this money yeah. to the states from the Department of Transportation. What happened to all the taxes? Where, where are they going to spend this money, you know? Long yeah. Island, the highest-taxed freaking area. And where is it all going? Yeah, because no matter, like, all the major highways, the Southern State Parkway, we were on Route 347. Route 347. Everywhere you go. The roads are in horrendous shape. It's not even just the roads, too. The fucking Southern State, you can't even change... Actually, the LIE, you can't change lanes because the down the the, the seam of the lanes is all pothole. When you come down, coming south, down Bethpage Parkway, and you get onto Southern State, going yeah. south, literally, as soon as you hit the ent- exit ramp onto the Southern State... <laughs> yes! I literally... I, I feel like my axle isn't going to make it. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. It's like... Now, not only that, but the the potholes are causing rocks and pebbles into in the in the streets. They they're kicking up into people's windshields. Mm-hmm. It's like enough of this shit already. I agree with you. Right. My gripe is similar, actually. Oh, what's your gripe? Someone needs to fucking sink the goddamn lights on every major fucking parkway. Okay, the lights on the Southern State, the lights on Hempstead Turnpike, the lights on Jericho. You go green on one, stop at the next one, wait another five fucking cycles. And then you get to the next one, you wait another. It took me 15 minutes, okay, to go three lights. That Why are these not all turning on at the same fucking time? It doesn't make any sense to me. The whole road should move and then stop. The whole road should move and then stop. Try getting out out of Farmingdale on a Saturday. Oh, God. It takes us 10 minutes just to leave Farmingdale. Because of all the lights. Yeah. I'm just saying, someone has to sync these lights better, or we got to get better fucking roads and get better but expressways. But that's why the, the people are complaining, oh, the people are going 45, 50, and a 30. Well, that's because they don't want to get stuck at these damn lights. Yeah. Or the fucking, or they're going too slow because of the fucking potholes. And everyone yeah. has a fucking car. Fuck you, Robert Moses. That's yeah. my answer. Where's the, there should be more public transportation. There's too many cars... There's not enough roads, and the roads we do have are not paved, and they're not managed, and they're not taken care of. You can't fucking get anywhere. It takes me an, it took me an hour to get here. It makes no fucking sense. We're only, like, what, 15 miles away from each other? Why is it taking me an hour to get here? Right. Well, if, if that's the case, look at the freaking trains we had, we're riding. You're right. It's like, why do we not have the bullet train? Yeah. Why does it take me an hour to get into Manhattan? 
Right? What the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> it should be a 20-minute snooze, okay? And I'm in. Exactly. Stupid. Exactly. So what's your gripe, Grumpy? My gripe concerns men's butts. Oh. Because I shouldn't have to go all the way over to Cherry Grove by ferry to see a decent pair of buttocks and a pair of shorts. <laughs> Men do not know how to wear clothes anymore. Everything's baggy. Everything is baggy. I am an ass man. My husband is a dick man. <laughs> he doesn't see enough package in the front, and I don't see enough butt cheeks in the back. It's ridiculous. It's also a problem because all these men who are working out, all they do is work on their upper body. They and don't they work the on their legs, legs and their butt it and their butt at all. Take dance. Do some squats. It's Take like dance. Jesus Christ, but it's like it's ridiculous everywhere you go. You see, oh, just a decent looking guy, pair of shorts, turns around. Where's his ass? There's no ass. Come on, what's wrong with you guys? And Jesus what Christ. I miss about the seventies, early eighties. Oh my the, god. The tight pants. The tight designer jeans the and short everything. Shorts. You know, yeah. what about, I, none of the, the, these... The tightest thing we see now are capri pants. Oh, no. And I'm sorry, no butt looks attractive in capri pants. <laughs> but Maybe a woman's also, butt does, but, but I haven't seen making, a decent men's butt in a pair of capri pants. They're making these pants so that you, it, it, it's like, you, it's all fabric. It's droopy. It looks like a bag of potatoes. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so men... Work on those butts and buy your pants and shorts a little size tighter, maybe, okay? You should suffer for us. Yes! It's all about us. <laughs> now get off my lawn. Now don't, get off my lawn! Don't make all, all uh, us, us fat guys be wearing the shorty shorts. Yeah, really. You don't want to see us in the tight shorts, believe me. <laughs> well, speak for yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we now come to the conclusion of this episode. About damn time. We want to thank our guest, Daniel Higgins, for joining us Thanks today. Thanks for having me. I love this. And, this is so much and if you get a chance, you. make plans to go see the East Line Theater Productions of Being Earnest, opening this Friday, correct? Yes, this Friday. And where is that opening at? Westbury Arts Center in Westbury. Ah, it's running, running through... Running through June 11th. Running through June. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday afternoon well, it's performances? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right? Excellent. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Ooh, okay. That's quite a schedule. We're going to see if we can sell Wednesday. We're excited. Excellent. So come Wednesday. <laughs> and then look for productions. Uh, look for the e-production of Two Gentlemen of Verona somewhere on Long Island near you. And I would like to say both of these shows are free. Yes, yes. they are. Both and they of them both are free. run under two hours, so it's not a lot to commit. Just no. come and have a good time. There you go. What more can you ask for? What more can you ask? Well, I guess a blowjob <laughs> would be nice. But... And I want to thank my <laughs> I want to thank my husband and producer Stephen Prendergast for sitting in and taking over Tommy's hosting duties. Absolutely. Even Maybe. though ordinarily we get served with some kind of like pastry or dessert during the podcast yeah, episode, <laughs> but Stephen when, didn't do that at all today. When I'm on the podcast, I can't be getting up and going out. Well, and you are the cookies. producer. Your job doesn't stop just because you're on the air. And maybe Lick one day I'll actually be on taint. the podcast with Tommy. Maybe one day that will occur. Hope springs eternal. <laughs> Nobody's got against me, but he seems to be avoiding my, my episodes. <laughs> I think this is the most sober episode we've ever yes, had. Yes, I know. We can't let that happen no again. No <laughs> That's what we Right? This is our first daytime recorded episode. I know. It's still light out. Right? <laughs> My God. Anyway, you can follow us on our website, grumpyoldgamemenandtheirdogs.com. 
where we have all of our episodes listed, as well as bonus material for each of our episodes. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you feel like marching in a gay pride parade, come and walk with us at the Long Island Gay Pride Parade on June 12th in Farmingdale. Yes, in the village of Farmingdale. That's on a Sunday. Parade kicks off at 12.30, I believe. Yes. If you're going to march with us, get there at 10.30. Yeah, and bring your dog. We'd love to see your dog there with us. Yes. And I think that's it. So on that note, I'm going to say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches. Thank you.